Hey everyone, and welcome to Livingston First Church. We're so glad you're joining us today. We really hope you're ready to hear a great message from the Word of God. So prepare your hearts, prepare your ears, and get ready to receive a blessing from the Lord. Be blessed. Okay, do me a favor real quick. Repeat after me. I will not get offended today. (laughs) Okay, you committed, so you're locked in. Sorry. (laughs) We're going to talk about a difficult subject today. It'll probably be, I guess today is just a day of not being comfortable, and that's okay. Uh, And actually, that's probably a good thing. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare today. All right, yeah, somebody's ready to go. Did you bring your lightsaber? You bring your word today with you. We're going to dig in. We're going to understand spiritual warfare from the perspective of a reborn believer. We've been, talk about, we've been talking about being a Christian is not necessarily just being saved, but it's actually being what? Reborn. Right? You were created once. If you're a Christian, you're born twice. Once physically, once spiritually. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and Nicodemus was supposedly like the best teacher Israel had to offer, but he couldn't understand the concept of being reborn. You are a new person because of Jesus. Did you know that? Imagine if I went with you to a department store and I was gonna buy you a suit because you needed to go to a job interview and I'm, and I'm like, hey, Let's get the most expensive suit in this place. Let's spend, you know, we're going to Macy's, so probably, you know, two grand on a suit. And you're like, yeah, let's do it. We get you tailor fitted. We get you the tie that matches the the little things on the cuffs. I can't remember what they're called. You're looking pretty good. And as we go up to the checkout counter, I'm pulling out my uh, American Express, which I don't have to pay for your suit. And you look at me and you go, you know what? I just want the shirt, the pants, and the tie. Leave the jacket. How crazy would that be? Right? That would be kind of weird. Or, you know, like, I went to go with you to buy a car, and, you know, you pick out the fully loaded, fill-in-the-blank, whatever car you wanted, and as we're pulling out of the, the car lot with your brand-new car I paid for for you, you say, hey, do you think we could actually just leave the alternator? I don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs> or what if I took you to a steak dinner? I'm just gonna keep going on like this for like an hour. With steak dinner, and you're like, you know what? You're you're buying me this great steak, but just don't don't have them cook it. Just bring it to me raw. Weird, right? Well, that's the same thing as being a born again Christian, but not wanting to receive all that Jesus paid for you to have. Right? Like just showing up to punch the clock, to do the Christian activities, isn't really going to do anything for you in the long run. Unless you're contending with God, pushing into him and asking him to to release into your life everything that he paid for, you're missing out on being a reborn again Christian. Okay? And spiritual warfare is a big part of that. It really is. But how many of you know You can't blame the devil unless you're willing to deal with yourself. (laughs) Right? Like, oh, the devil's messing my finances. No, you just refuse to make a budget. (laughs) Sorry. You know, the devil's messing all my relationships up. No, you actually just have emotional instability that you're not dealing with. Right? So spiritual warfare always begins with ourselves. Right? 
And as a born again Christian, we're reborn. So we're like children. We're receiving things from a new perspective. Why did Jesus say when you, to receive the kingdom, you must make yourself like a child? Was he expecting that Christians would like kick on the floor and cry when they didn't get what they wanted? It's kind of what we do in America, but that's not what he expected. <laughs> right? Oh, the government's doing this. Where's, where's, no. That's not exactly what he meant. That's called a spoiled brat. <laughs> to receive the kingdom as a child means you're receiving pers- uh, the kingdom of God from a new perception. Yeah. Try to teach someone my age a new language. What happens? I'll tell you, it actually doesn't work. I've been trying to learn Spanish for like four or five years now, and I don't know a lick. <laughs> I really don't. It's embarrassing. I think one time I told, uh, I was trying to evangelize to a Spanish guy in Cuba. I told him I was Jesus, and he did not. <laughs> He did not receive the gospel. You know, I'm very good at like trying, but just not very good at learning. (laughs) So anyhow, but if you take a young child and you teach them a new language, they catch on to it very quickly, don't they? Because their mind hasn't been polluted by the world yet. They They don't have a perception that's already ingrained what they think. Okay. So when we're talking about spiritual warfare, we always have to start with ourselves. The devil is not your problem. Jesus already beat him on the cross. He's forever 0-1, biggest loser of all time, okay? There's never gonna be a time where he just like gets, he sneaks one by God. He's like, God understands it all. He's sovereign over it all. All of your problems, all of your fear, your situations, he sees it. And actually he allows the devil sometimes to, to test us and to sift us so we can actually see what we really believe, right? He does it with Job, he does it with Peter, he does it with all sorts of people in the scripture where he allows the devil to shake us a little bit so we can actually understand what we really call true. Okay, so the devil's not your problem, he's beat. Okay, you're your problem. Amen, everybody go home. (laughs) Okay. So, everybody needs deliverance. Hollywood has done a really good job of scaring us out of what Jesus has paid for. We always think of like, what's the the exorcist movie or people rolling around and throwing up. And you know, that really does happen sometimes, but deliverance doesn't always look like that. In fact, a perfect example of deliverance is when you came to Jesus, you were delivered from your sin. You were delivered. And as you grow in relationship with, with Jesus, you're more and more delivered from your brokenness and transferred into his life, okay? So every person in here, including myself, needs deliverance in some way, shape, or fashion. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. It doesn't mean that you're less of a Christian. It doesn't mean that you're dirty and broken and, and a scumbag. It just means you're simply human. Okay, so the first step is understanding that we all need deliverance of some sort, me included. If you hang out with me during the week, uh, outside of you know, normal church functions, you'll be like, well, that's a very normal man that we listen to preach every Sunday. There's nothing really that spectacular about him. It's true, very true. I think this week, my lowest point was yelling at a ref at a, <laughs> a youth soccer game. It happens. 
You know, I like to win. I'm a Christian. I like to win. And sometimes I don't express myself properly. So some of my players are here. I apologize for looking so stupid on the sideline, but that's just who I am sometimes. I'm being delivered out of that crazy lunatic dad day by day. So hang with me. Okay. So deliverance is growing in likeness of Jesus and growing out of likeness of yourself. Amen. Spiritual warfare for the reborn believer has to start with understanding what influences you. The balloon popped. Did you guys hear me? I said spiritual warfare for a reborn believer has to start with understanding what influences you. What influences your mind, your emotions, your will. Are you being influenced by the kingdom of heaven or are you being influenced by your flesh and the world around you? How many of you grew up in a family? There's a lot of orphans in here. <laughs> Did you know that you learned how to live inside of the family you were raised in? You did. Most of us, you know, with exception, spent 17, 18, some of you spent 30 years being raised by your parents, right? Were your parents perfect? I mean, it's okay. It's not dishonoring to recognize that your parents were human beings. And those of you with your adult kids in here, this is not a shot at you. My kids are at the mercy of my humanity, just as much as your kids are at the mercy of your humanity, right? But did you know that because you spent a majority of your formative years being raised by people, there are things in your, in your emotions, in your spirit, in your person that don't necessarily line up with the kingdom of heaven? Okay? So today... I'm just going to urge you not to get offended, to be like Daniel in uh, Daniel chapter 12, approach this with a spirit of humility and a desire to seek wisdom. Can we do that? Okay. So today, spiritual warfare, part one for the reborn believer, generational curses. Do, do, do. <laughs> We should have popcorn for the next couple of weeks. Just make it much more lighthearted. <laughs> Since we didn't do the dressed up Easter bunny last week on Easter, we should do uh, popcorn and soda to make up these weeks. Okay. Before we talk about generational curses and generational sin, we need to, we need to understand that you were created for generational blessing. God did not create you thinking, I can't wait to watch this idiot be controlled and beat up by his brokenness and sin. He created you to receive an inheritance of blessing. Exodus 20, verse 5. This is Moses talking to the Israelites. He's explaining them how to follow the Lord. And he says, you shall not bow down, speaking of other gods, or worship them. Exodus 20, starting in verse 5. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So what is the Lord saying there? 
For those who are in rebelling, rebelling against me, who are not willing to participate in knowing who I am, there's punishment. And the punishment will last a few generations, but not necessarily because God likes to punch people and smash them in the ground, but because of his, his punishment re- leads to correction. Right? It's the same concept of disciplining your child when they rebel against you. The correction leads you back, or the punishment leads you back into correction, right? But even more so, his intention is that his blessing will pass from generation to generation for how many? Like three or four? Five or six? Maybe a hundred? A thousand generations! Are you kidding me? That's a lot of generations. Okay? So God intended for our family heritage to be a blessing and abundance from his heart to his people. Do you understand that? It's always the design of the enemy to counterfeit God because he can't create anything. Did, how much, how, what has the devil ever created? Nothing. He just counterfeits, right? So in order to counterfeit blessing, he invokes curse. Does this make sense? This is going to be a lot of teaching. I got a lot of notes. And it's not usually my style to just do notes, but it is what it is, guys. Deal with it. So when we talk about generational curse and sin, we're simply talking about addressing the heritage of your family that doesn't align with the Lord's blessing. Okay, very simply, when you talk about generational curse and generational sin, it's having the knowledge and the wisdom and the humility to say, this isn't actually right, but I've been raised to believe this is right. And Lord, I'm willing to adjust. Would you please help me? Does that make sense? Makes it a lot simpler, right? Romans 5.18. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Okay? So when we take our, our sin that we've called right for most of our life, and we place it at the cross, we actually invoke the grace and the blood of Jesus to wash us and to restore us into our resurrected, reborn life. Pretty cool, right? Most of you probably will have no idea what I'm talking about, but there used to be this game system called the Nintendo, Super Nintendo. And it had this big button in the middle of it that said reset. And when you were really bad at the game, you could just smash that button and reset everything. It's kind of what the cross of Jesus is, right? It's like a reset for your life. I think that's pretty cool. Okay, our family history affects our lives today. We live in a fallen world more than just blessing more than just blessings can flow down family lines. Just as a river can bring fresh water, oxygen, minerals and fish, so a polluted river can bring old tires, industrial residue, sludge, poison fish. I was watching a documentary about um, the LA River. Has anybody ever been to LA and seen the LA River? Okay, it's disgusting, like trash everywhere. And in this documentary, there's this guy and he fly fishes in the Los Angeles River. And like <laughs> they're taking shots of him and there's boots floating past him and shopping carts and he's fly fishing for his LA River carp and he catches one, right? And it flops onto the shore and he fillets this LA River carp and cooks it over a fire and eats it. Ugh. Yeah, right? It's a trash carp. And he goes, you know, this is just how I was raised. This is just normal to me. 
And then I take that and I, and I juxtapose it to who's ever been to like Blue Springs in Florida? Anybody? It's, it's crystal clear. It's a, a spring-fed river. You can be like 15 feet on the top of the water and see straight down. There's manatees playing. It's like fish swimming back and forth. It's utopic, right? But this guy carp fishing in the LA River has never had the experience to smallmouth bass fish in Blue Springs, right? It's the way he was raised to see the world. So just because something is normal to you, normal with your family or normal to a culture does not make it right with God, right? Do you understand that? I remember uh, being out in the projects one, one time with our, our food truck that we used to have and we were passing out food and praying with people and this gentleman comes up and man, he is inebriated, just totally like, out, right? But he's stumbling around. He comes up, he gets his hot dog, he gets his chips and uh, we're talking to him and he's like, you know what? Pray for me. I'd like for you to pray for me. And we're like, what do you want us to pray for you for? And he says, uh, pray for my health and for my family. And, you know, we're praying for all those very generic prayer requests, but powerful prayer requests. And I just, you know, you know me, I just look at him and I said, I don't want to like make myself sound condemning or judgmental, but can we pray that you would be free from alcoholism? And he looked at me, he's like, why would you do that? <laughs> you know, you're really drunk right now. <laughs> That's why it, it can't be good to, you know, to be drunk every day at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. seems like a, a, a rough lifestyle. And he goes, okay. And then I asked him, you know, do, do, you, do you have like a, a family history of moonshining? And most of us know that in this area, there's lots of families with a family history of moonshining. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, how'd you know? It's just a hunch. <laughs> I said, I'm gonna pray that God would break that off of your family history and that you would be free from this moonshining sin. And he looked at me, he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. That's family tradition, man. <laughs> True story. I think there's a country song about that, right? Yeah. And he doesn't let me pray for him and he just kind of stumbles back into the, the projects. There's another time I was uh, with a lady and I was making a house call for her and uh, just talking to her. her husband was on hospice and he was dying and uh, she's having me pray for him. And uh, then she just starts to go into like how hard her life is and why uh, nothing seems to go right. And, you know, her finances are a mess. This is going to be the second spouse that's died of, in her life. Uh, just everything is a mess. And I just feel the Holy Spirit start talking to me and I, I hear the Lord ask, well, why don't you ask her uh, if she's ever been a part of any uh, new age spirituality in her life? And she goes, oh, okay. And she starts to tell me about how her, uh, I can't remember, like a granddaughter or something was using healing crystals I said, well, okay, that's strange. And this is a Christian woman who I respect and I honor her and she's a you know, great woman of God. Uh, but then she starts to tell me about how she used to do palm reading when she was a kid. And I'm just like, okay, the, you know, something's up here. And then I said to her, well, where did you learn that? And she told me that her uh, grandmother was a mountain healer. 
How many of you are familiar with that in Appalachia? There's grannies that live up in the woods and they uh, will heal your warts for a penny. It's witchcraft. It's just witchcraft. It's what it is. I said, oh, okay, tell me about that. And she said, yeah, one time I, made, I watched her make a kitchen table walk across the floor. I said, that's not usually normal. We don't really condone that much in the church. <laughs> and she says, yeah, you know, now that I think about it, there's always been some sort of witchcraft activity that's been passed down from women to women in my family. Okay, this was a very, like, I respected her quite a great, great deal. I still do. I don't think less of her in any way, shape, or form. She's saved, but there's a door that's been opened in her family that's allowing chaos and death to creep in. So we prayed and we closed that door and we broke that off of her life. In my own life, I don't want to get too deep into my parents because my mom is probably watching on the live stream. Love you, mom. You're a great mom. You raised me basically perfect with a few caveats. But there's things in my own life that I've had to realize are not the Lord, take inventory of it, and allow God to heal me so I could grow into something more. Because when I stay the same and I don't allow myself to be delivered, I actually block the blessing of God from flowing through my life, just like the river in L.A. Right? So it's a, it's a, it's a struggle and it's a challenge. And look, if you're sitting here today and you're hearing this as like judgment or accusation or a way for you to blame your parents for your brokenness, you're not hearing it right. You're really not. All of us, all of us are susceptible to this. It's the blood of Jesus that breaks us free and allows us to take ownership of our junk. You know, if you're, if you're sitting here and you're married and you're like, oh, now I see why my wife is so crazy. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not how it works. This is not a billy club. The scripture can't ever be used as a bat to beat somebody into submission in your life, right? This is a tool God has clearly outlined in scripture so we can be more like him and less controlled by our brokenness, right? Okay, just wanted to clear that up. Okay, so this is where it's gonna get really uncomfortable. I'm gonna go through a list of things. And if you hear anything in this list that you're struggling with, I want you to have grace on yourself. What are the two greatest commandments? Come on, somebody help me. Love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor as? As yourself. So God is clear. He wants you to love yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, you'll never be able to love your neighbors. You'll just have a false sense of love that really is just you just kind of spewing your junk on everybody else. Right? So you have to love yourself. So if you hear this and you're struggling with, with it, it's not me taking a spotlight and saying, guilty, I caught you. It's more so giving you a tool so that you can then overcome what you didn't even know you were broken by. Okay? So common patterns of trouble in family lines include, and I'm going to start with the easiest and go up to the harder stuff. Jealousy. Manipulation. Desire to control. Family fighting. Division. 
And what I mean by that is like, there's always some sort of Hatfield-McCoy situation happening in your family where people can't go to Thanksgiving and just love on each other. There's a fight that separates them for months on end. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, We've had that in our family uh, line that we've had to break off. Unforgiveness and bitterness. So if you, you're, you know, your mom was always unforgiving towards people and bitter and, and you are, there may be something there you need to break off. Financial irresponsibility. Huh. It's true. If you're always broke and you just can't seem to get it right, And no matter what you do, there's just confusion in your finances. There may be something you need to address. Oh, go back. Generational alcoholism or other addictions. There's plenty of other addictions besides alcohol, right? Actually, most of them are found on the computer screen now. So deal with that. Miscarriage, premature death, closed wombs, emotional problems, anger, fear, the feeling of abandonment, the feeling of being rejected. If you carry a sense of of abandonment and a feeling that nobody really likes you, that's not the way you were created to walk. That's not normal. You need to address that. Mental problems, depression, and anxiety. Please don't hear this as every person with these problems has some sort of generational curse. Sometimes people have mental problems because they do. Has nothing to do with their family line. But sometimes there's schizophrenia and there's depression because there's something generational. Okay? Evolvement in the occult. And we talked about that with the woman with the healing crystal granddaughter in the palm reading. Tendency to be drawn to the occult, like Ouija boards, tarot cards, horoscopes. Those things are not good. And if you have them, you should probably throw them away. If you're giving influence to anything in your life over the name of Jesus, so if there's anything that you give sovereignty sovereignty to uh, regarding your health, regarding your emotional stability, that is over the name of Jesus, That is a form of witchcraft. So when we say witchcraft, we're not saying like pointy hat, broom, cackling in the dark. We're saying control. (laughs) Okay? Divorce, unresolved conflicts. Okay. So that's a pretty depressing list. The good news is though, all of it can be stopped and healed and corrected through the blood of Jesus. That's exciting, right? Okay. Jesus dealt with our sin when he took it upon himself to go on the cross. Did you know that when Jesus went to the cross, not only did he die for you to be free from your sin, he actually took your sin onto himself. He became the scapegoat. So if you're dealing with this, Jesus has actually already dealt with it. He's already put it onto himself and he's felt your affliction for it and he's more than capable to handle what you're going through. That's good news, right? Isaiah 53, four through six. Surely he took up our infirmities, our sins, and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken 
considered him stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that bought us peace was put upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way and the Lord has laid on himself the iniquity of us all. I'm just reading scripture. God has already put it on himself. So how do we do this? Do, do we have to take responsibility for the things we didn't even understand were happening to us? You don't have to take responsibility, but you do need to take ownership, right? You're not gonna be sent to hell because you had a bad upbringing. That doesn't make any sense. But you can break hell off your life when you take ownership of things that don't align with the kingdom. Right? So how do we do this? We repent of our sins. We repent of the sins of our forefathers, of our mothers and our dads and all the other people who had influence in our lives. And we apply the blood of Jesus and we move on. Moving on is actually kind of hard to do though, isn't it? Because what happens is you do that process and you feel great, hallelujah, but then you take like 20 days uh, living in freedom and then what happens? You mess up again. And it's the same old stupid thing you thought you repented and were healed of. Wait a second, Lord, didn't you say you were gonna heal me when I repented and I put your blood onto myself and you took my sin onto yourself? Didn't you say that I was free? And the Lord says, yeah, you are free. But if I'm free, why am I still struggling with this? Freedom is not without a fight. Being conquered is without a fight, right? But the fact that you understand that there's something worth fighting for is the proof of the freedom that's been brought for you. So if you've stopped fighting against the sin, you probably have a problem. You've let your heart go over to complacency. And that's a, that's a problem. But if you're aware that what you're participating in is wrong and you're fighting, it doesn't matter if it takes you 50 years to beat it off of your life, but the fight is the proof of the freedom that you've been given. So, you know, maybe I'm struggling with bitterness and, you know, I, 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 I repent, Lord, I'm healed. I, I, I'm free from this. You paid for this on the cross. I receive your blood and I'm doing great. And I'm, you know, relationships are doing really well. And then a month later, I start to have bitter thoughts about some people I'm doing life with. What do I do? Lord, I recognize that that's not of your kingdom. I recognize that maybe I call that normal, but you don't call that normal. And I refuse to participate in that anymore. I repent. What does repent mean? To turn from. But it also means to see things from a new perspective. And the perspective you're looking through is not that you're always gonna be trapped by this brokenness. It's that you paid for me to be free. I'm gonna get my freedom regardless of how it feels, what it costs and what I have to give up. Are we awake? Look, you can, you can get by. You can just ignore your junk. You can just become complacent, sleepy, typical American Christian and get through this life and maybe retire with a good 401k and be happy seeing your, kid, your grandkids once every two weeks. And that's okay. 
Or you can be fully alive, aware of the thing that Jesus paid for you to have and fight vigorously for it until you've received it. See, I can preach this, but until you decide in your heart, I'm done living the way I'm living, I'm living for what was paid for me to have, nothing's gonna change. And the proof of your holiness is not how many times you mess up. It really isn't. The proof of holiness in your life is that I am not satisfied until I'm walking in what you call right, Lord, and I'm giving up what you call wrong. Look, this world is hard. I get it. Life is hard. Being married is hard. Uh, Having kids is hard. Keeping a job is hard. Dealing with in-laws is hard. Budgeting your finances is hard. But if God says it's right, then it's worth fighting for. Okay. I feel good about what I preached. (laughs) I'm going to get a super soaker. I'm just gonna soak you guys whenever I feel like you're falling asleep. (laughs) Okay, we're gonna pray. And I have a feeling that because all of you are human, there's some brokenness that I read that might apply to your life. Would that be correct? I know it is. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask the Lord to reveal to us any place in our heart where we've stopped fighting. And then after he's revealed that, we're gonna ask where it originated. So whether it originated with your parents or with maybe a teacher or with something, we're just gonna ask the Lord to show us. We're then gonna forgive that person who led us into brokenness And we're going to ask the Lord to heal us and to restore us inside of his generational bloodline. Deal? All right, let's stand. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that the Holy Spirit truly ministered to you through this message from the Word of God. If you'd like to know more, look us up at livingstonfirstchurch.com or follow us on social media. And we look forward to seeing you in person soon.